Hello, Omaha Talkers. This is your co-host, Parker Steele. Just wanted to take a second and thank those that have rated us on iTunes and left a review. Those help us out a lot, and we anticipate further reviews, and hopefully they'll be good. We're trying over here. Today, we are at Archetype Studios with owner, operator, and engineer, Bryce Holtz. Stay tuned, y'all. to sit down with Bryce and talk to him about music and the recording of music. And we're currently sitting in his incredibly, incredibly kick-ass studio in the basement of his home. And I got to tell you, this is like the coziest recording studio I've ever been in. Oh, thanks, it's man. so friendly. Yeah. It's so friendly. Yeah, I get get that from people a lot, which is, is good. Like, uh, I guess some sometimes... Uh, People get a little scared when they go into the recording studio because they're not used to, you know, like the environment and everything. So it's just yeah. my house. So yeah, but I, I guess that's can be a positive and negative at the same time. But uh, that is definitely something that people bring up pretty regularly as a positive. Is it? Would you say it's negative because your workspace is your home? Yes. Uh, yeah, that and like the space constraints and the construction of a like a residential house isn't like really initially set up to work well for acoustics and everything you have to put a lot of a lot of thought and effort into changing the acoustical environment to work for studios so sure so yeah. how long have you been recording here oh gosh since like uh 2003 or four not in a professional capacity but sure. uh you know like i got my first like big like 24 track digital uh mixing board like around that time and just recorded my bands and some of my friends bands uh here for quite a few years until they started giving me money for it and everything so yeah and then, then i was like oh I, I need to just like like try to make this more of a professional thing so yeah um what were some of those first bands that you played in and recorded um, it would have been like, uh, Eyes of Erotica, which was, a uh, old screamo, hardcore emo band, I guess, like, uh, with, uh, Aaron Brovic and, uh, Chris Kelly. Okay. Uh, and we used to play a lot in tour, like around that time. And, you know, we, I think we usually had Mark McGowan do it cause he had a few extra years under his belt doing it for other bands sure. than I did. So, um. We would have him do like the actual records, but like I would practice or record like practices and little demos of things we were working on and stuff. Okay, and he also had a house studio as well, right? Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, we uh, we had the same uh, that multi-track recorder that I was talking about. We had the same one for a lot of years. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Was it a Digitech? It was a Roland VS twenty-four eighty. Okay. Which was like an all-encompassing, like it had the editing software and it had the preamps and the had some effects that you could like uh you know sync in with tracks and everything and sure yeah um speaking of mark mcgowan portland he lives in portland now. that dude's instagram account is a fucking wildlife calendar oh yeah I it's know. gorgeous dude well yeah he lived up near um 
Mountain Hood. I'm not sure if he's is he in Portland proper now or. Uh, I'm not sure. I do know he got a, a new job recently, but okay, yeah. yeah, he um, he moved up like kind of like in the the mountains or like right near. Like, it looks Mountain like Hood it, and yeah, it's ridiculous. It's beautiful up there. Have you guys ever been up in that part of? I've never been in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, he used to I, live yeah, in Seattle. I used to live in Seattle. I went, when I lived up there, I only went to Portland once. So I definitely need to go back area. and experience it. But yeah. it was awesome. I go up there about once a year because my sister and my best buddy, Jake Ramness, lives up there. So, oh, yeah. I know Jake. Um, or he lives in Portland now, but for the last five years, he was in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Um, really pretty. Yeah. Mark, God. Mark, if you're listening to this, your Instagram posts are incredible. I mean, it's always just like a mountain range, <laughs> waterfalls. Deers drinking water. Deers, yeah. I mean, it's like Garden of Eden shit. Um, <laughs> it's really cool. But uh, so you start recording bands. You have this revelation, you know, maybe I should do this more. Where did you go from there? I mean, you've already got, you've got your rolling multi-track recorder. Mm-hmm. You've got, I'm guessing, some microphones laying around. Yeah, it was just a few at first, enough to cover like one instrument, like the drums at first, and uh, then uh, past that, um, you know, like I didn't update like a lot of stuff past the initial couple of years for probably like six or seven years. Um, I did take, uh, I was going to UNO at the time, and um, I, I wasn't exactly like in the music engineering department, but I, I did get in to take like a, uh, audio recording class. That was like a two part sort of class. And that, that helps me get to know, like, you know, the bare basic, uh, technical things that, uh, go along with recording. Did that now, was that class mostly digital or did they delve into analog recording as well? Oh yeah. It was like their studio didn't have a tape machine i don't remember in there but they did have pro tools and okay. um you know like uh pro tools had to be pretty new at that point no it's been around since the early 90s oh, okay i didn't know yeah that. like they even did editing on uh butch vig did some pro tools editing on uh, Nevermind actually no shit yeah but it was like the very first version and it was like the sort of thing where when you would load the stuff in from the tapes like they would just go out for a lunch break because it would take like hours. Oh for my it to god! And it was it was probably it. that little animation of like the file floating uh-huh. across and the <laughs> oh god! I didn't know that. Yeah. That's super interesting. So it's it's been around for a long time. Like they're on twelve or thirteen. I have, I have twelve now. So okay, it's uh it's been updated a, a bunch of times like over the years. But um, yeah, like uh, uh they they had Pro Tools um. They had a decent mic collection, and they had some cool, like, outboard gear. Uh, so a lot of what I learned there was, like, mic technique. Like, what's sure. the difference between different microphones, how to use them, um, what frequency its range, like, instruments sit in. That was a really cool one for me because, uh, you know, he drew out a big uh, diagram of... Um, all the sort of instruments that you would regularly run across like sure. recording and like where their range was in the whole audible frequency spectrum. Sure. So you could kind of see like immediately, like if you're going to EQ something and like it's way up here and then you're pulling up the bass on it, it's like, there's no, there's not much signal there to like boost or anything. Those, right. those sort of uh, ideas like kind of popped off like um, new ways of thinking about 
setting up mics and mixing right. and stuff. Well, I think that's something that uh, maybe a lot of people don't take into consideration that sound waves, different sound waves move differently. Different sounds mm-hmm. have um, different behaviors. So the placement of microphones, all you, all you Omaha talkers listen to music, a lot of work went into the placement of where that actual microphone went yeah. in correlation to the instrument or, which in, or the amplifier. Which uh, mic you pick because uh, right. they all have different uh, responses like from what it, it takes from the air movement. So, uh, so you finished your course at UNO. You've got some knowledge under your belt now. Mm-hmm. It was worth it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was like the first thing that kind of like pushed me to try harder than just like throwing a microphone up and hitting record, you know, right. like it made me, it gave me some framework to like delve into it further sure. down the line, I guess. So were you still playing music at that time or are you still like yeah. currently or yeah. Uh, yeah. I've always had music going like, that's how I got into it was like wanting to record my own songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I had like a, a band for years that we just like recorded demos. We never, made a record or anything we weren't like a a super go and getter like band but we were called gyromancer and that was like uh kind of 90s alternative rock a little bit more on the metal side who else was in that band mm, i'm not sure if you'd know anybody in there aaron brovic wasn't it for a short jaunt um who is now uh, swamp walk swamp walk uh bent life a million bands Power Slop. He's, he's Power been, Slop. Fuck yeah. yeah uh, he's been in like every band. Hercules. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. Hercules. I, I've known that kid since like he was 16 and he's always had like five bands going at once. Super like, talented, man. Yeah. I Worried Mothers, we played uh, a couple shows with Swamp Walk and I was just like, oh my God, this yeah. is total Sabbath driven, you know, like, and they're like, oh yeah, this dude's a drummer. And oh, I was yeah. like, holy shit. And he, we, yeah, need, to, we need to like publicly guilt trip them into not releasing their record that I started recording for them uh, three and a half to almost four years ago. Oh, yeah. It's still sitting there mastered, ready to go. Mastered and ready to go, Swamp Put that record out. It's a good record. So you, um, when you started recording, um, obviously you were recording your own bands. And when, when in your kind of career did people start approaching you to record them like when did people start coming up and who were those people um yeah it would have been like dudes like aaron and like his associated group of friends that were still kind of pretty active in the hardcore scene um you know like one of the first bands i can think of uh was like either hominoid or uh Koizumi, which actually I just started recording them again. They haven't released anything since those first demos, but uh, that was like Aaron, Brock, uh, Dan from uh, their old band Hercules. Okay. Uh, they had that band um, that came in to record with me. Hominoid was like John Cobb and um, Nate Ma and uh, Mitch Kohi. Okay. They were like a like a grindcore band kind of. So. Okay. Just different bands like that, like uh, random people I just knew through hanging out, you know, like friends of friends. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. And did you, where were were you recording them at your house at that point? I mean, is this yep, when you this started? Room. Yeah, th- that's when you started building this place. Mm-hmm. It, awesome. it was just like wood panels down here and stuff back then. There wasn't any. I started putting up a 
you know, like the sound treatment stuff, like probably around 10 years ago or something, and redid the walls so that they were isolated from outside noise and vice versa. Sure. And, uh, and as you can tell, Omaha Talkers, this room does sound quite well. This is probably the best environment we've ever done a podcast in. <laughs> it's very dry. Very yeah. dry. Very dry room. We do, uh, because this podcast is kind of mobile right now, you know, we don't have a fixed space. So we're always working with sound as far as getting mm-hmm. things, you know. and uh, Troubles so, with mics. Yeah, problems with mics. We can't even, let's not even go there right <laughs> now. But, um, well, that's cool, man. I guess, you know, once you started kind of, falling down that rabbit hole of recording, it appears to me, because I know you a little bit, that you just you just started digging and just went into it. Yeah, I get obsessive whenever I pick up a new hobby or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, like it it uh, definitely was something that I, I spent more and more time doing. Early years... Uh, it was kind of like something that I found as a hindrance because I was mainly recording myself and like, I didn't want to think about the technical stuff. I just wanted to get the damn track down for like, if I was building my own song, like from scratch with drums, bass and everything, you know, like that's why early stuff I did like generally didn't sound all that great because I was just in a rush to to get the ideas out before Well, and you kind of get them. away with it because we're kind of at that age, all three of us, where low fidelity recordings Lo-fi was, was kind of okay back accepted then. Accepted yeah. and fine, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean... I mean, and it is, like, in all... It, it goes through its cycles and everything, but, you know, like, ideally, like, I wanted it to, like, some of my favorite recordings were, like, very high fidelity, really well-balanced uh, pieces, so... Um, it was always something to strive for because I would always hear the the difference between what I was doing and like what like an actual professional engineer would be doing. Sure. So it it was always something that would either make me feel bummed or <laughs> yeah or be like, all right, try a little harder next time, dude. Like, yeah, getting yeah. frustrated with stuff. Um, so now that we're talking about other engineers, who are your guys as far as engineering now? I'm sure there are some obvious ones, but yeah. let's let's talk about some records that you look to and some producers that have really kind of locked in with what you do. Well, uh, probably the first ones were uh, that I became aware of, and it was mainly because I liked their music, was like Jim O'Rourke uh, is this guy that was originally from Chicago. Um, he ended up like working with a slew of bands in the late 90s, early 2000s, but he released solo records too. Like, he, he played with Sonic Youth, he played sure. with uh, Wilco, Faust, uh, gosh, um, the Red Crayola. Like, he, he was worked with lots of people, and um, one of my favorite records, uh, Stereo Lab Sound Dust, he, he produced, and I always thought that record sounded incredible. Um, so he was an early one where I was just like, man, those sounds so clean like and everything's like punchy the low end is like huge but it's not like all muddy and lost and everything radiohead like uh smashing pumpkins so like Mm. that brings in like flood and what's your favorite what's your favorite smashing pumpkins record um i think like for a long time it was uh machina the last one that they did with the original band Mm -hmm. but the first one that like got me into them was uh melancholy yeah when that one came out like I, i mean i just 
couldn't stop listening to it for years. So I, I would buff those records. But in the last like year, I don't know what happened, but I, I st- stumbled upon Ava Adora. Oh, dude, that record's so good. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me, man? There like, was nothing like that in 1998. Nothing. Yeah. It's, it is incredible. Yeah. Do you think nobody tra- liked it either? No, they thought it was garbage. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, first off, the first video, they're like, oh, Billy Corgan thinks he's Nosferatu. It's like, <laughs> like kind of, uh. but, it's uh, kind of a creep. I, I mean, I wonder if like Trent Reznor listened to that record and was like, oh, or that single anyway, yeah. you know, um, but, uh, yeah, I like, Dude, for months, I just could not stop the song that, uh, it was also a single, uh, Perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like a perfect song. Yeah. I Perfectly named. Uh, the <laughs> Nightmare song, and there's this one called Shame that's yes. kind of sweet, like, uh, and I, I've, being a big Smashing Pumpkins dork over the years, I've read a lot of, like, interviews and stuff like that, and, um, that one was the only one, like, that they all tracked, like, live together okay. on the record, and they got an imperfect take where the guitars were out of tune, but the vibe was just right, so yeah. they're like, let it be. Let like, it be. Yeah. We've already got our contract. Let it be. Yeah. So, okay. So, moving on. Uh, who uh, else? Yeah, like, Steve Albini, obviously. That's what I was kind of uh, edging towards. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, <laughs> uh, like, uh, In Utero, PJ Harvey, and... Um, I'm trying to think like Jesus Lizard, like even his his own records like are sweet like Big Black, Big, Big Black to Shellac and Rape Man and all that. Right, and um, uh, Big Black man, I remember the first time I heard that and I was just like, what is this and why have I never heard of it? Because that <laughs> record came out in, like '89. Oh no, like early '80s. I early think. '80s. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and it doesn't sound like it. Big Black's as old as we are, I think. <laughs> oh, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't think I heard it until I was twenty-two, but it. I didn't. God, it's I, I good. didn't find his uh, solo stuff until uh, Ramness actually sh- uh, showed me Shellac uh, back when he lived with me. And um, yeah, so. I remember when that record came out. That was like, well, or the most recent. Didn't oh, he... the, the the new one, uh, dude, incredible. Yeah, that's only like a year or two old. There was one that came, record. I think the first time I was exposed, I'm getting my time screwed up here, but uh, was uh, one that came out in like 07 or 08, I think it was a double Terraform Yeah, or yeah, or yeah. was it the Italian Greyhound one? I don't know. I think it was Terraform. I could I be I don't wrong. know those ones as well as I hope the... this isn't pissing anybody off right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, somebody's just like, you motherfuckers. No, idiot. Get your uh, shit straight. Yeah, well, we're not Googling stuff right here, people, so. Um, well, so, Steve Albini, no. Yeah. So you worked with Steve Albini? Well, well, let's yeah, let's go back into this. So, um, Bryce, Bryce has worked with Steve Albini. Oh, I watched him work. Watched and, him work. And uh, I, I took a seminar with him, like uh, with a group of like thirteen other engineers, um, two years ago. And uh, yeah, that was that was super cool. To, that was my first experience seeing a professional engineer, you know, in his uh element just like recording well it was Nina Nastasia this uh uh like indie gal that he'd worked with like over the years and oh yeah a little panel fell off over there that's nice (laughs) we are joined by spirits in the studio today folks um and what I'm sorry repeat the name of the gal that he was recording uh, Nina Nastasia Nina Nastasia she was doing a new like little EP or something um the, the program was called Mix with the Masters, and, like, I just learned about it through Tape Op Magazine, um, and it looked cool. I saw Albini was on there. It's basically something that they hold, um, 
like a couple of times a year at this studio over in southern France called La Fabrique. Okay. Um, La Fabrique. La Fabrique. Uh, like lots of really big bands are recorded there, like Nick Cave and Morrissey and stuff. Damn. Um, big old mansion. It's just beautiful. And so dim- is that where you went to do it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Dimly lit, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, it had weird <laughs> cavernous <laughs> Candles lit. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like apparently like controlled by the Nazis in the uh, in the uh, like World War Two era. Oh, it, it used to be like an olive oil factory or something like that before that, but um, oh no. Oh no, you guys aren't out of beer already. No, we're not out of beer. Jesus, I just hit him somewhere over there. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you, Brandon. So yeah, that was like a two-week uh, seminar where we just like we first first half of it was uh, you know like we'd have a focus like it was like a class basically like you know like we'd all sit around have a notebook and like Steve would kind of go generally through his recording process. Um, then uh, we could ask questions randomly. We'd always take breaks and have lunch with everyone, and you could like ask them questions outside of the the class thing. We'd do dinner, have drinks like after the evening. It was super cool. Man, like, that's awesome! Never... How long was the seminar? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Wait, was it just a week? Oh, I was gone for two weeks. It was one week, but okay. uh, then the next next week, I just since I spent the money to fly all the way over there, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go it. explore a little bit more. Absolutely. So, uh. Was it, I mean, that had to have been valuable, I mean, obviously, because you're watching somebody who's so accomplished and um, has worked on, you know, immortal records. Right, yeah. But um, I'm sure it was also useful to be around like-minded people that were there for the same reason. Oh, yeah, and uh, engineers that, like, were well beyond, like, my skill level that had had careers in it for, you know, like 10 plus years. Sure. And, and they're made, asking made questions money. that you hadn't thought of. Yeah, exactly. And vice versa. No, it was great. I met some good friends that I still keep in touch with online, like, uh, to this day, ask cool. questions, you know, it created a nice little, like, uh, friend group. Like, and we even have our own little, like, fa- secret Facebook group that we all still can, like, you know, contact each other through and yeah. post, see what everyone's up to. And how long cool. ago was this? Uh, it was the summer of 2014. Okay, so a few years ago. You know, it, what's so, I think, really cool about that is that, you know, in an age of GarageBand and anybody can plug a microphone in and make a record uh, and people are buying it, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know how many SoundCloud rappers there are right now, but there's a lot. Yeah. And they're making money and they have careers. So there's just something kind of genuine mm-hmm. and heartwarming for lack of a better phrase to know that there are still engineers having conversations right using uh throwing back and forth information techniques whatnot you know it's not dead it isn't dead no it's very much alive there's a i mean yeah there's always going to be like people that want to really like it's like the any nerdy pursuit that somebody gets into like if you're a dork about it then like the most minuscule little stupid things going to like really uh get your gears moving and you'll want to talk about it with friends and be like oh yeah check out and it's really cool when you can apply all those things and then like have a sound come out that like does sound like a professional recording that you've heard over the years and everything like uh which um you know like it's just a lot of a lot of different variables that all go into to play to to get to that point but uh like it's yeah it's fun i i mean I, I got into it just because I wanted to record my own stuff, but then I 
I think I felt like I, I, um, really learned how to get good at it through working for other people more so than my own sure. things. Like, uh, once I was able to just focus on that and not be like split brained about it, you know, like I, okay, I got to go run over to the amp and play it out or the drums and then run back, hit stop. And, You're just at the board. Yeah. I'm just at the board and that's my, my function for the session. That's a really interesting point. I think that also, I would assume that working with other people, especially when you're recording bands, they're going to do stuff that you wouldn't do. So you're going to be, or maybe even play instruments that you don't yeah. fuck with, you know, or they'll so. have aesthetics that are different from mine that right. I, I have to like know how to translate that over. Right. It's actually like one of the toughest things once you get enough good gear and like a good sounding room is every, and everything is like when uh, the band doesn't want to sound like high fidelity and everything. So you sure. have to kind of attack making things sound like lo-fi from a, a different uh, perspective than you would if you just only had that sort of gear to work with. You have to kind of, uh, you know, like decide to mic it improperly or run it through some distortion on the way in, even if yeah. it's light distortion. Um, Throw a little you know, hair maybe on it. Use less drum mics, uh, anything like that to kind of uh, bring less fidelity to it. Like the, that's the actual sound that they're going for right and you're gonna go you're gonna go back and work with Monsieur albini aren't you is this oh um well i'm making a goal for myself because i i haven't i've been focusing mostly on the studio th these last couple of years and my songwriting suffered from it like i i don't sit down and play guitar all that often anymore. Yeah. I don't come up with ideas very, and I'm not thinking about it even like yeah. as I'm walking around during the day. So. It's funny how that energy gets taken up, isn't it? Well, it, you only have so much like in a given day. Yeah. And, like, you know, I work a full time day job and then I, I have bands like pretty regularly in here. So it's just like, there, there's not a lot of time to do it. Right. Uh, so, um, I, I work really good if I, if I have like, deadlines that I know I have to get to like it forces me to to um like put the time in and make the time and everything so yeah I'm, I'm gonna uh book a session with him next uh fall probably I don't have a date set yet but I've talked with him about it and um I'm just gonna you know like basically do the next lodgings record okay uh up there which is Bryce's band we should mention that you oh, yeah. are in a band called lodgings mm -hmm. as well as uh, the other one currently is uh, Noah's Ark was a spaceship. Noah's Ark was a spaceship, which if you are in Omaha, you have probably seen and or heard of because you guys have been rocking for a long time. Have you been in the band the entire time? Or? No, um, I was in it for the first incarnation, like back in 2004 or something, playing bass like on our on the demo recordings and stuff. But my, my other band, Gyromancer, was my... my uh, main pursuit at that time so i i kind of didn't jump on with the the live thing or whatever but um i i rejoined them in like 2014 2013 somewhere around then yeah so we we started off with like a, a cover show at a uh, uh reverb with um see-through dresses i was there and darren keen yeah yeah that was fun and uh, uh dross had a devo hat on <laughs> It's pretty great. Yeah. I've always wanted one of those. That still is one of my favorite shows I've ever played. It was that so, was fun, so zany. Man. That was fun. All covers, like everyone was dressed up like ghoul 
levels. And it yeah, was like, it was great. I've never played a show like that before. And it's, like, it's gotta, it had to have been fun to just, like, write a set list of songs that you guys wanted oh, to play. Oh, yeah. When I showed up, you guys were playing all of Inner Sandman. Songs, yeah. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> shit, that's what this is, you know? Yeah, that was really fun. So, Noah's Ark was a spaceship and lodgings, and you guys, um, you guys do have some shows coming up. Noah's Ark has, uh, we, we just finished up with lodgings, and we're kind of taking a break for the early part of next year, okay. mainly for songwriting purposes. And, sure. And who else is in lodgings? Uh, Jim Schroeder. Jim Schroeder. Right now, Michael uh, Laughlin, um, which uh, it, it used to be Dave Ozinga that was playing uh, uh, bass, but uh, he moved to L.A. like uh, this last year. So we got Michael, and then uh, Eric Ernst is the drummer. Okay. He's an old, he's been in the scene since like the early 90s and stuff too. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's our core group. Originally it was me, Megan CB, and uh, Colin Breen, uh, who doesn't play music very often anymore, but he, he's like a classically trained pianist. And oh. um, we, we were doing like, uh, kind of like a little acoustic uh, trio thing with piano, cello, and acoustic guitar and stuff cool. for like one or two far shows. cry from what's going on now yeah mostly like yeah, yeah we, we i when i brought it back uh after hiatus for a year i was like ah, i want to do rock again so yeah. yeah 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 it's definitely rock i think we played a show together at milk run maybe a long time ago was it uh I don't remember. Pl you mean Worried Mothers? Yeah. I don't think I played with you guys. Did we not? Maybe it was a Noah's Ark show. It could have been. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I've seen. I saw you guys play a bunch, like uh, back when you were still around. But yeah, yeah. God. Wait, is that still a thing? <laughs> We've never officially thrown in the towel. Yeah. But uh, babies get born. Oh, yeah. People get married, you know. You got one coming on the way here soon. Sure do. Sure do. But it's, uh, yeah, we, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll put put our shit back together at some point. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's just not the time. And I'm loving spending my creative space with Omaha Talks. Ooh, nice, silky it's voice right there. time, you know, polish <laughs> that up. To kind of, like, throw it back, you said you were in a, one of the hardcore bands back in the early 2000s. That's when I first moved here, and like I got introduced to John Travertic and Chris Kelly and yep. Bravik and all those guys. I, I mean, thought you you seem familiar <laughs> from just like years ago and stuff. I, and you got you were talking on one of the last podcasts about Power Pad, and that was like my first yep. house show space that like uh, I'd ever seen shows at too. So my friend Tom Tom Flaherty, uh, if you're listening, mm -hmm. probably not listening, but um, <laughs> him and I were wandering around some neighborhood i can't remember what we were doing if we were leaving a house or something but we came across this house with a bunch of kids like hanging out of it and it was uh the robot house oh yeah like scott hillebrand and... yeah and that's where we met yeah. all those guys and kind of from that point on that we met uh andrew gustison and uh mm -hmm. and bravik and evan fox do you remember him oh yeah yeah, yeah. he's uh hung out the... with him a lot back in the day <laughs> do you know who evan fox is? i don't he's, so evan he's fox the donut guy or no, the bagel, bagel guy, guy he's, he's like the bagel like... lord of la he like <laughs> no serves shit. bagels to like uh at like movie and tv shoots and stuff no shit but, uh, we've known him from back in the day but yeah just like moving here that was kind of like my intro into like meeting people and uh you know going to the power pad and fort house craig yep. fort mm -hmm. the fort house and you know going to shows out there too so yeah, I just like 
a throwback. So you so. guys didn't That's, know each other. We did, but yeah, probably. It's so yeah. many years ago yeah. now. Yeah. There was just, you know, those parties would be huge with crap loads of people. And I, I mainly, I was always like kind of like socially anxious. So I, I kind of like hovered around the friends I knew best and sure. didn't like branch out to meet a lot of people very often. But, but there was a something house, there, you know, <laughs> fort house, <the> robot house. <laughs> right. yeah. Power pad. The power pad. Uh, edge house. Yeah. We had a house conversation in uh, um, our episode with Chris Mockmuller about the many names of that building. Yeah. You know, the Hotel, Hotel Frank, Frank, the power pad. It was the jerk store even before. The jerk the gun- store. store. What was the, the one? That, gunboat. The gunboat. Gunboat, yeah. yeah. Gunboat was right before we started showing up there. and then. Uh, I think that's my favorite. Gunboat? As, as a yeah, name. Yeah, as, as a name, yeah. Gunboat. It's good. It draws so many... Now, nowadays, it's like the Guns, imagery. Boats, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love, <laughs> which we need to do an episode, and we're kind of going off tangent here, but it would be cool to hear like the whole, like you know, people that have lived in that house. Through yeah, up that would be cool. You There's guys a, need to uh, interview uh, Trey and Lilea at Brothers sometime. Definitely on our radar. Yeah, yeah. They've, seen, they've seen a few things in their day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And they've Just had the evolution their... of uh, that whole neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, and thank God they survived it, you know, with everything with that's going on in Blackstone. Yeah. yeah, which, you know, there, there's some good stuff going on there. I'd rather see things get polished up than fall apart. But, sure, you know, yeah. you don't want your beautiful gems well, to get lost in the dust. It's you know? all in the cards of the developers that they're willing to work with, mm-hmm. like, the community that's already there instead of displacing them. And we lost the 49er. Yeah. And that was a loss. That you was know? a cool bar. It was. It was a great bar. But so so moving on, um, we kind of left at Steve Albini, <laughs> who's another engineer that you kind of look up to. Uh, Nigel Godrich, uh, the guy who did like you know most of the Radiohead albums after um, uh, the Bends, um, and uh, he's also done like back a couple of his like records like Sea Change and. Oh, hold on, time out! You had a post about the new Beck record and not liking it. Oh yeah, it's garbage, man. I I didn't finish it, and like maybe I'll go back and give it a listen again because he's been one of my favorite. He's he's one of my uh, favorites, man, dude. Since I mean, since the first record, yeah. Like, I I was listening to that when I was like in elementary school, dude. But uh, like uh, he uh, yeah, I, there was something about it that just sounded so so modern pop, and I mean that's partially on me because like I I there's almost nothing that comes out anymore from like mainstream music that I'm, I'm interested in. But shit, uh, I mean, his but, record that he won a Grammy for or whatever, you know, that morning phase or wait, what was it called? Morning phase. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. That one was good. Although like I was a little, at first I, I was kind of thinking he was just treading water with the same idea that, uh, sea change. Sea change had. Yeah. But like it grew on me as I listened to it more. I love modern guilt, man. Yeah, that one's cool. I love that record. I, uh, I always liked uh, his lo-fi one, too, the One Foot in the Grave. Oh, yeah. That one was just real zany. Fantastic. The Mutations also is Mutations. one that I, I love. I even it's got like all this Baroque pop on it. Guero, you know, which was, mm-hmm. like, pretty hip-hop, you know. But, uh, yeah, I just I had to throw that out there because yeah. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. That I, when it, you know, anytime he put something out I'm like oh cool you yeah. know back record and it was like what are you doing this is like restaurant music yeah it like was, you're at ruby tuesday and you hear a song and it's way. that shit 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I might still give it another listen and see if my mind changes, but maybe I will too. It was maybe. it was uh, I, I I'm I'm always like a little hesitant to like totally write off somebody like right away if they change sure. change gears. Uh, well, but, and and it is a rule of thumb: never trust your first listen. Yeah, you might love something, you might hate something. Uh, one of my favorite records, uh, ever. Like when I initially listened to it, like it didn't really hit it for me it was like pinkerton by weezer oh okay i uh, and i think that's their best album well Pinkerton's me too like, yeah. yeah uh but like i i was such a big fan of blue album and it was such a stylistic shift not only in like the songwriting but also like uh the way it sounded it was like real raw sounding sure um do you ever like weezer parker yeah all right yeah. yeah pinkerton was always like one of their that stuck out but the songwriting was just killer on that uh I mean, I'm not like a big like I don't own any records, but when when it comes on, I'm not like, oh god, you know. Um, I wasn't like a fanatic or anything either, but yeah, Pinkerton you love like them. A, I've seen the posters. They were like I'm how I learned how to play tattoo. guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so sorry I interrupted you. Um, any other noteworthy mentions of? Um, I'm trying to think. Obviously, like the. I, and I should know them, but, like, uh, the guys that did, like, the Beatles records, but they were more, like, an in-house, like, group of of dudes, and, like, you know, you could maybe say George Martin, because he had provided... Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. He was still alive. Who I didn't know... Like, good God. I mean, it's kind of sad when people die like that. Well, there are sure. these monolithic people in music, and you're like, oh, shit, I was sure he was dead 20 like, years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, he know? was like, he was kind of like the old square, like, during the Beatles recordings. Yeah. Like, he was probably in his, like, 30s or maybe early 40s or something. But, I mean, like, those recordings, like, if especially when you learn more about, like, uh, like what all went into them and, like, how they ended up sounding for the yeah. time period, like, they're... They were like the most innovative like house of recording people like Wall of uh, Sound. almost ever like uh, when you consider what they came from right and moved into uh, you know like uh, they they created techniques that are like standard nowadays like uh, with with barely anything like stringing tape machines together like uh, backwards tracks yeah backwards tracks yep. um, using the tape flange effect as like an an actual effect and not not like it. Being something that you didn't want to have on the right recording, uh, dude. This is so interesting. We're talking about this because just yesterday, so my ten year old nephew is has discovered the Beatles. He's a musician himself. Mm-hmm. He's like into it. He's oh, in. yeah. And we were uh, driving around listening to some Beatles, and t- uh, tomorrow never knows. Oh yeah, came on, and I was like, listen to this, and I turned it up, and I was like, this is the that's first the, time. That's the uh, sitar one, right? Well, or... it's 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 total amalgamation of uh, instruments but it's it's backwards yeah. so the instrumentation track is backwards and i was like yeah see listen to this how it sounds kind of strange because uh-huh. it's, it's backwards and his head exploded it was a big mess but um <laughs> but yeah so it's funny we're talking about this because i was just explaining that to him but uh yeah that's that's cool man like that um that series beatles anthology i thought was great I mean, because I, I just love that shit. Oh, like, yeah. They would go into the studio. came out when we were kids. Yeah, like, like 96 uh, or something. Yeah. It was on ABC. I mean, now it's on DVD or whatever. Uh-huh. Now it's on DVD. God, it's who DVD. Who says it. that? Who says now. that? Yeah, it's true. Dude, and also you're behind the times. It's not DVD anymore. It's Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Oh, and that's even... Blu-ray, baby. God, I know. Blu-ray's going out and now it's streaming. So, to talk about the Beatles a little bit, though. So, I... 
absolutely love the Beatles. There's a lot of people that says there's too much hype. Or, you know. God, I was hoping you were going to say wanna... you hated them. No, I fucking I was love totally going to say. I was I, wishing dude, you were I fucking them. hate Star Wars, <laughs> but I love the Beatles. Um, but no, I just, you know, I think it's one of those things where, like, I, it's hard for me to, like, listen to people say that because, like, I don't know what they can really justify. I mean, well, yeah. It's well, I think what they. insane what they do. I think what happens is they, like, they get the marketing machine that is the Beatles confused with the actual band. Yeah, if and you the take music it, and the recording. If, yeah, if you take it as, like, a marketing machine, it's kind of gross. Like, they've re-released, like, the records. Like, I mean, they, they it's almost like every five years they have to, like, remind the public to to listen to the Beatles again. Digitally remastered. And that's why people get pissed off because, like, as everyone's, like, learned about, like, with the internet, like, there's more and more like, other weird old bands from that era, they get, like, uh, brought up and, like, found, and they were great bands and stuff. Uh, people are like, well, why would you just listen to the Beatles and not, like, the Kinks or, like, the 13th Floor Elevators or, right. you know, like, all the, those sort of bands, uh, like, it's a little hipper to, like, like the more underground band, too. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, I think there's always... I listen to the Sonics, man. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, but... Um, I mean, like, when you really just take it, and one thing that I will critique the Beatles on is they weren't, like, the best, like, lyric writers. They were one some of the best, uh, like, vocal melodicists. Like, they, their vocal melodies were just, like, on-point killer, but that's yeah. because they were tackling it like it was a, uh, like, an, another instrument. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, like, they, they were killer musicians. They were very inventive. Like, uh, they all went on to do, like, really interesting stuff separate from the Beatles afterwards. Absolutely. Uh, Even Ringo. Even fucking Ringo. Hey man, that one single he had, which I'm pretty sure John Lennon wrote, but It Don't Come Easy, that's Mm -hmm. a good song. Yeah, no, I mean, like, he had help from a lot of, like, friends, like, in his, like, solo He got by with a little help from his friends. Exactly. He set it up, right? I'm sorry, I couldn't (laughs) help myself. Um, Well, uh, what's so funny when I hear the anti-Beatles thing is, you know, it's like, okay, well, I would guarantee you that the majority of the music you listen to, or maybe at least a handful, was inspired by people that listen to the Beatles. Absolutely. Like, it's unavoidable, man. Like, I mean, like, any, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> as, as diverse of people as, like, uh, I, I love, like, typo negative. I, that's, like, so a, do I. a guilty. We, that's a shared love. Yeah, that's a guilty pleasure of mine, because uh, that's, like, definitely a band that somebody could like take take a point in being like uh i don't know about i don't know about those guys yeah i don't think that they should have been as big as they were like and i'll I'll give people credence for that because they're they were a little weird but like pete Steele, like his he would always cite the beatles as like his biggest influence and then he would cover bands like neil young and crazy horse i love (laughs) <laughs> interviews with Peter Steele he's so good. because he's this vampiric character and typo negative and then you hear him and he's just totally he's just a Brooklyn boy a Brooklyn just <laughs> oh yeah no we're doing the song over here blah, 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 you know and it's like oh that was really bad no, Brooklyn like, accent I'm sorry and... yeah yeah just <laughs> totally goofy yeah one of my favorite music videos of all time is I don't want to be me that music video is oh yeah dude incredible it's oh, they, so funny. They did have great music videos. And yeah. they did not take themselves too seriously. No. Because no. that video totally just makes fun of themselves. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, All the records started with, like, 
like joke tracks like at the beginning of yeah. it like where it'd be like yeah. a hum and then they'd be like oh I hope you like that little joke <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man I worked with a girl a woman at uh hey do you guys have another beer I could have over there I think we is do is there still any more we're out oh, oh! oh! We just we just drank all the beer. Should we take a beer break? Uh, beer break. Let's take a beer break. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> typo negative. Don't worry, everybody. We we all got a beer, and uh, we're able to use the restroom, so we're back in it. Refreshed. So, so, Bryce, archetype recordings. How can people listen to your stuff? Well, um. I guess, like, uh, if you go onto my website, uh, which is uh, archetyperecordingsstudio.com or I get archetype recordings. Um, you can also follow me on the Facebook and Instagram. Um, the, usually, I, I'm I'm really good about like taking at least one photo of each session I do with bands, just to kind of promote them and me at the same time. So yeah, um, I'll sometimes post videos when I'm mixing stuff. Uh, but usually, you know, like I, I've always thought about having like a conglomerated uh, list of bands I'd worked with showing off like good recordings I've done, but uh, I haven't done that yet. I am kind of in the process of thinking about doing that like via like an actual like compilation uh, record, like a vinyl record. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking into the the logistics of that for next year sometime. So, so look out for that, that Omaha a, Talkers. That may be a thing that I do. Uh uh, otherwise, you know, like there, there is a list where I show, you know, it, and it's not perfectly up to date, but like I, I usually try every couple of months to, you know, like put a, like just a list of every buddy I've worked with, like over the years on there. So, um, I, I should probably try to link to their pages and stuff like that too. I just am. You need an I'm assistant. A, I'm a lazy web administrator. You need an intern. Yeah, I do need an intern. All right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm. Uh, looking, looking for anybody that wants to, uh, be my indentured, uh, servant in the studio here for He's very friendly. Years. He's a very clean man. Um, not, not scary. Mm -hmm. Were you scared to come over here, Brandon? No. No? I mean, it's pretty friendly. The chains and the other, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, there, there's some scary artwork. But... <laughs> well, I... Do you, do you have any, sh do Noah's Ark or, I know Lodgings is taking a break, but do you have any shows coming up that people can check out? Um, yeah, Noah's Ark will be playing at the waiting room with uh, Criteria and Little Brazil. Don't uh, miss that show. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Uh, it's it's kind of cool too, because like I, I kind of was a big fan of uh, Criteria back in, uh, I think their first record came out. Uh right around high school or right after high school so pretty much omaha institutional band yeah see and see peterson's work on cursive was always like a thing i i dug so yeah that's kind of a cool thing for me but that's uh december 30th i think december 30th at the waiting room little brazil criteria noah's ark was a spaceship um is there anything else you got going on you want to the mic is yours my friend um Really, just uh, trying to finish up a couple of uh, records that are lingering still this year. Um, I, I've really done all of my expanding I plan on doing for the next year or two, uh, other than I, I'm changing out patch bays here. Um, and uh, other than that, like, you know, like, it's it's just be 
become a, a pretty comfortable environment for me to work in for the first time in a few years since I did so many updates. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, it's uh, just uh, hit me up if you guys want to work together on stuff. And I always like to meet with the bands first and kind of get to know what their point of view is, like what they want to accomplish. Like, I'm not a very overbearing engineer or anything like that you know i like follow what their vision is over mine any day of the week so um which is important because yeah. a lot of guys in your position like to interject their own uh skin into somebody's project and yeah that gets in the way I, of i don't really do a lot of that i just uh i sometimes if if it seems like it's it's really over the top going to affect something i'll just bring it up but i mean they have veto power over me any day so uh you know like i'll I'll just uh verbalize my concerns about something like technical like maybe too much reverb on hey that crash symbol is canceling everything out. yeah they might i might suggest that they change the drum heads out or something like that because they look like they have been beaten to a pulp uh but, you know, like, if they want to use them, I'm like, all right, that's fine, dude. That's cool with me. I'll, I'll work around it. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Bryce, thanks for coming on the show today. And thanks for letting us hang oh, out in your studio. It's awesome. My pleasure. Yeah, you guys, thank you. You guys heard that. Uh, if you're a band or a musician, you want to record with somebody, Bryce Holtz is an ethical and uh, very friendly engineer. And we'll so, post links to his website and his social media and all that stuff, too. We'll make it easy for you guys to find. Um, Brandon, you got anything to say? No, I think you guys covered it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next time.